from. Well, Joe, you know what they say. Just because it's finals week doesn't mean you can't record a podcast. Yep, you know, uh, it's been a grind. It's been a grind, but we're still here, you know. We need to, we need to take a break from the studying and from the procrastinating and talk about sports for a little bit. For sure, it's, you know, it's a good it's a good idea. You know, it's been <laughs> on the grind all week and uh, nothing I'd rather do more right nothing now. Nothing I'd rather do more, especially – because as we speak right now, the 76ers are playing the Celtics in the NBA playoffs, second round, which is a great matchup. Hockey playoffs are still going on. I think every single series right now is still a series. There's no blow. Except maybe Tampa Bay and Boston. No, it's, it's Bay. a series. It's a series. It's still a series, of course, but I think you know 3-1. That's yeah, probably the most foregone conclusion of any of the four series right now, but it's still a series. They've all been uh, extremely exciting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's been great. <clears throat> so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about basketball. We'll do a little bit of a NFL draft recap. Mm-hmm. Pick our defensive, offensive rookies of the year. Maybe which team improved the most. Talk about baseball a little bit if we have time. And then why don't you explain the game that you came up with for us? All right. I got a good idea for a game here. So in the uh, midst of baseball season, we looked at some some classic baseball movies, and we each made our own lineup lineup card. of uh, Got our starting nine, right? Starting nine. Not necessarily the best players, but kind of you know our favorites. And right. we uh, – Put them for each each position. We have a different player, so that that'll be a that'll be something fun to do. So we'll do that at the end, but we'll start with hockey. And as we said before, all four series right now have Stanley Cup final implications. Of all the four, what is your series to watch? Which one carries the most weight out of any of the four? Okay, so I'd say disclaimer: all four have been extremely exciting to watch. I mean, it's been a great playoff so far. But I gotta admit, you know this, you know. Although I'm a Bruins fan, this one series that's been really catching my eye is uh, Pittsburgh and Washington. Just the main storyline of, you know, can Ovi finally get it done against Pittsburgh? You know, it's been his kryptonite his whole career, that second round. And it's a, typically a second-round matchup against Pittsburgh that ends up getting uh, him and the Caps knocked out. So uh, it's, it's been, you know, it's been back and forth so far. It's tied at two right now. Huge game five coming up tonight. Um, game five in Washington. In Washington, yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean... If Washington drops that, I think they're going to have a really hard time uh, winning that game six in Pittsburgh. But that's been my favorite series to watch. You know, you know both very star-studded lineups, and uh, you know, the stars have been producing. So, yeah, I'm going to switch. I'm going to go to the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. I think the series that I'm watching, that I'm most looking forward to in terms of Stanley Cup final implications, is Winnipeg and Nashville. Yeah. Because I really believe the winner of that series is going to go on and beat the winner of Vegas and San Jose in the Western Conference. I think those are those are the two best teams in the West. Right. Like, like top to bottom. And, yeah, it's been, you know, kind of like you got this top defense in in Nashville going up against that, you know, probably the best top six in hockey in uh, Winnipeg's four group. So it's been really uh, – Kind of like the clash of two right. different types of teams. You know? And it's a great series. It's lived up to the hype. It has. They're going back to Winnipeg, I believe, for game five. Uh, no, Nashville for game five. Nashville, Nat, right, Nashville for game five. Yeah. How about those crowds, though? Both crowds. Yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting to, yeah, is yeah. that you look at, at the other series, it's Vegas and the Sharks. Neither one of those teams is an exceptionally good team on the road. Mm-hmm. And Winnipeg and Nashville were two of the best teams in the league in general, but especially when playing at home. Winnipeg yeah. lost single-digit games at home all season. They finished with nine losses, I two of them in overtime. Yeah. Nashville wasn't far behind. They were 28-9-4. Vegas is like a 500 team when they play on the road. Mm-hmm. And the Sharks, come on. You're going to put San Jose. I know you you, you have them winning the Western Conference. Or like no, you, no, like no, you, no, no. Sleeper. Like they're your sleeper, right. They're my sleeper. They're a good sleeper, but you know I don't see them – I could see them beating Vegas potentially, but I don't you know. you put the Sharks in a series against Winnipeg or Nashville. It's if, gonna be tough. If it's first tough of all, them. Winnipeg or Nashville is gonna have home field or home, home ice. ice. Home ice. And if a if a team that doesn't have home ice is wins a series, then just mathematically, logically speaking, they have to win a game on the road yep. because four of the games are gonna be on on away ice. And it's so hard to beat Winnipeg in that whiteout, right? It, that oh, it's, it's, it's almost almost impossible. Same thing goes for Nashville. That's a tough team to beat on the road. So that's why I'm watching this series. I think the winner of Winnipeg and Nashville is going to be the winner of the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. That's definitely my series in the West. I haven't really been. I mean, the, the West, uh, the Vegas, San Jose, it's been, it's, it's been an all right series. But 
you know, definitely those two teams. I mean, that's the matchup everyone was looking forward to. Right. You know, it's unfortunate that it has to be in the second round. You know, that that should be a Western Conference Finals matchup. But uh, either way, you know, they're they're going up against each other, and uh, it's something you really want to see. Definitely be fun. And for the record, I do have Winnipeg beating Nashville because President's yeah. Trophy winners have not had a good track record in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, that's just my personal belief. It has nothing to do with this, but yeah, that's. I mean, that's a toss-up for me. I really. I got nothing there. I mean, I, just long, let it play out, you know. As long as it goes to seven, right? Oh, if yeah. If it goes to seven, I'll be happy regardless sure, of the outcome. For sure. We're going to shift from a, a team standpoint to an individual standpoint. And I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago in our over-under game. We were talking about um, less about the Conn Smythe trophy, but more about like the who are, who's going to lead in goals. I think that was one of the over-under questions. We're going to look at the Conn Smythe trophy. Right now, where we stand, I think the easy answer has got to be Jake Gensel, yeah. right? Is he who you're winning? Is he who you're picking for the Smythe? Okay, well I kind of, you know, I got like a one A and a one B right now because okay. I don't think he's would be having this the playoffs he's having without, you know, him and Crosby have been, you know, on that line together. It's just they've had a great connection. So I think you can't you can't put one without the other. You know, obviously they can't have you can't have a co co Smythe winners, right. but I just think for the sake of right now you can't look at one without looking at the other. You know, because Gensel, he has a nose for the net, and, you know, we saw it last year in the playoffs, too, with, you know, he was leading the playoffs and goals for a while there. But uh, he's really showing a, a different – you know, he's still putting the puck in the net, but he's he's setting guys up, too. I mean, you see that assist he had to Crosby in game three right. against Washington. That was, that was gorgeous. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's, he's always been a good, you know, scorer, but I think his playmaking touch has been uh, really valued, valued on that top line for Pittsburgh. But – you know, Crosby is just, I mean, he's, he's, he's like LeBron, like like Brady, those guys. Just turns on. He's a different beast in the playoffs. And, you know, it's it's been uh, no different this year. He's right behind Gensel in points, just really leading that team. And, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's success is definitely dependent on that top line. I think we've seen that. Oh, so, for sure. Yeah. So who do you, so, who you got? So, well, before I get to mine, is it Gensel or is it Crosby for you? Because you made cases for both. You know what? I'm going to go Crosby. I'm going to Crosby. All right. I think Gensel, great player, obviously. You know, he's he's got the most points around, but I don't think – you can't just look at points. I mean, yes, stats, they do show, but uh, Crosby can just take over a game. Like Gensel, like Gensel, I don't see that with him. You know, Crosby, really the driving force of that team, always has been. And uh, pretty much year in, year out, you can you – know, Crosby's going to be the best player on the ice for that team. So. You know, it's funny because – I thought I was thinking outside the box by taking Sidney Crosby because yeah. I thought you were going to take Jake Gensel because he's, he's leading in goals. He's leading in goals. Mm-hmm. He's leading in points. So I thought I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm an outside-the-box thinker. I'm going to take Sidney Crosby. He doesn't have the stats, but he can take over a line. And I just found out that we had the exact same thought process, which could be good <laughs> and bad, but that's fine. I took Sidney Crosby too. Okay, I mean, okay. eight goals and 11 assists is in the playoffs is not too shabby at all. He's overshadowed by Gensel as far as numbers go this playoffs. But, but I also think part of it has to do with the fact that like, we expect this from Crosby every year. Right. Gensel, I mean, Gensel had a great year last year, great playoffs last year. But, you know, for him to lead Pittsburgh, you know, it, it's definitely it's, it's an eye-opener. For sure. Right. The casual hockey fan looks at the playoff stats and they think, Jake, who the, who the, who the hell is Jake Gensel? Yeah, not, not as big a name, especially on a team with, it's filled with stars. Right. So. so, yeah, I took Crosby. I think he, you said they play on the same line. Mm-hmm. I think it, it, it is really a 1A, 1B. I yeah. think they bounce off each other. They work with each other well. And then um, – also, who else on the – who's the third guy in that line? I forget. Uh, Hornquist, Hornquist, right? Hornquist, yeah. He's yeah. good net for presence. Yeah. yeah so they're just that line. If we can give the Conn Smythe winner to an entire line, let's just give it to that one. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh's a team, though. They're, you know, they're really not a team that depends on one line. But if you look at the playoffs, just how much that line's produced, you can't – you can't just say they're – I mean, yes, they're a deep team. But, like, at a certain point, you know, you got to give credit where credit's due, right. you know. And then if you look at – if you look uh, – Away from Pittsburgh, I was thinking about taking a Pasternak too from Boston. He's mm-hmm. he's leading in assists right now by a wide margin. Yeah. He's got 14 assists. Mm-hmm. He's a point behind Gensel for the, the playoffs leader. The only reason I didn't pick Pasternak is because he's on the brink of elimination. So it's hard to pick a guy who potentially can get ducked in the second round. But he's got the numbers to compete there with Gensel and Crosby as far as this award goes. He doesn't. I think that we talked about that Pittsburgh line being huge. I think the the Boston top line is much more. Uh, we would depend on them, you know, I say we. The Bruins would depend <laughs> on them uh, quite a lot. And, you know, you see when, when Pasternak's had games 
where he doesn't get points or he doesn't, you know, produce, you know, the Bruins typically are going to lose that game. So I think that shows how, how valuable he is to the team. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, if he loses the second round, which, you know, if that series ends in five games, I'll be pretty – I'll be disappointed. It won't do it justice. Yeah. I mean, those two, it's been close. It's been a really close series. And uh, I don't see it ending in five, but, you know, it's besides the point. I just think – You think Boston can go to Tampa Bay and get that the win down 3-1? Because Game Five is going to be in Tampa. Bay. I don't know, but look at look at the. You know, we were saying last series Bruins and uh, Toronto. No one thought Toronto would go and right. get steal that win in Boston. So you know, we never know. And if they do win that Game Five, I think you know you got to look at. They're probably more likely to win that Game Six. Right. Know, oh, for home, sure. Going home to Boston. So, so that Game Five is you just got to get through that. You know, it's easier said than done, but uh, I think they can do it. And if they do, if they keep rolling, I mean, Pasternak, Marshawn, Bergeron, all three. You know, either one of them can just. Come away with that Consmite. It's it's just it's who's gonna win the cup, you know. Right. That's that's the Consmite winner is gonna, gonna go to the right person on the cup. And team. speaking of the cup, I don't know if you remember a few weeks. I think our first or second episode we were talking about Stanley Cup predictions when we had Kirby on. Me, you, and Kirby all picked Nashville. We all picked Boston. Boston yeah. potentially is gonna get ducked next game. If they do, who's your new Eastern Conference favorite? <sighs> I mean, if the Bruins get ducked to. If the Bruins lose to Tampa Bay, whether it be five, six, or seven. Tampa Bay's my team. Yeah? Yeah, I think Tampa Bay's, you know, I think Bruins and Tampa Bay, were they were one and two. And I, I still think Tampa Bay is the, I think the winner, whoever wins that is going to win the cup. Right. Or okay. going to make the cup. Gonna make the and cup. then you stick with Nashville. Yeah, I'll roll with Nashville right, in awesome. the West, yeah. Well, as we speak, Joe, Sixers and Celtics are on right now. Celtics are up 2 nothing. On the series, mm-hmm. Sixers lead after a quarter, twenty to nineteen. Yeah. So it's a game. It's a game. That's a game. I believe they're at Boston. No, they're at Se- they're at Philly. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're at Philly. They're at Philly. Okay. okay. Sixers hold a one point lead. So that's my segue into the NBA playoffs. I don't know if that was good or not, but that was my transition. We're not going to talk about either one of those teams right now. We're going to talk about the Cavs, who. Mm-hmm. We're almost, I wouldn't say kicked to the curb, but disregarded as a conference favorite before the playoffs started, right? Because of a potential matchup with Toronto in the second round. We get the matchup we want. We get Cavs in the Toronto. And the Cavaliers go up north, take the first two games, mm-hmm. and they come back to Cleveland with a 2-0 lead, and it's almost like they've already won the series. Yeah. It feels like. because It feels like, because especially in basketball, home court is huge. Right. They come back with a 2-0 lead, and now it's basically a best of five, and they've got home court advantage. Yeah. Because three of the next five games are going to be in Cleveland. And my question is, do you see this as a series that they can close out, or is it just a fluke these first two games and Toronto's going to storm back, or what do you think is going to happen with this series? Okay, well, I, see, I see Cleveland winning this series, but I don't think it'll be easy by right. any means. You know, you can't just look at Toronto, what they've done this season. You can't expect them to just you know, roll over it, but... Uh, I see. I think I can see Cleveland splitting at home, and then maybe Toronto takes that game five in Toronto, and then ideally, you know, Cleveland closes out in six. But uh, it's crazy. You know, you win. You know, you win two on the road. It's like it's huge. It's it's in any sport, you know. But um, especially against a team Toronto had like Winnipeg had single digit losses at home. That's a hard team to beat in Toronto. Oh yeah, I think we. Definitely, my I'm guilty of this. Underestimated Cleveland as a team. I mean, we just didn't see them play to their full potential. You know, you always know any team with LeBron once they get clicking, like they're gonna they can be the best team right. in the NBA. It's just they weren't clicking all season, so nothing really led you to believe that they would get it done against uh against this Raptors team. But you know they've they've proved this wrong so far. Still got a long ways to go, but uh. I think you gotta think they're definitely the favorite to win this series. Yeah, I believe I actually agree with you on this one. I I was a big believer in the Cavaliers ducking out early, but I mm-hmm. think I mean look at the numbers. LeBron's close to averaging a triple double. Kevin Love is is having a great series. He He's is, averaging he is. nineteen. That's huge for them too. And the big piece that I found surprising that is going to be a huge factor in the rest of the series is a guy named J.R. Smith, who is notorious for being a selfish. Like chucking off three pointers. Yeah, it's kind of kind of a clown out there. Right, he's averaging like seventeen and a half points. Yeah. He's shooting almost eighty percent from behind the arc this series. Yeah, and sneaky. granted, it's he's two sneaky. games. He's sneaky. It's two games, but 
He's been shooting very well, and if that continues, there's no reason as to why they can't go on and win the series, especially when they've been a great team at home, and Toronto, for a number one seed at least, has not been too hot on the road. I think they'll have no problem. Maybe a little bit of a problem, but I think they should definitely move on to the Eastern Conference Finals. Do you see them sweeping? Oh, no. No, you see, no, you see no, Toronto. No. Toronto, Toronto take, they'll take one. Yeah, Toronto, I know we, we talked about last week or the week before. They do, they do have a tendency to – Choke in the playoffs yeah. or not perform to expectations, but they won't just get swept. They'll they'll take one from Cleveland, I think. Mm-hmm. That backcourt is too good to not take one series or take one game in the series. All right, let's switch to the Western Conference now. We're looking at two series that, at the beginning, were almost foregone conclusions. They're starting to turn into a little bit, resemble a little bit of a series. We got Utah and Houston, and. Golden State and the Pelicans. And both series, Houston and the Warriors, both lead 2-1. to one. Mm. So which series do you see being a more likely upset? Or, more, yeah, more likely upset. Who do you, who do you think can pull it off, Utah or, uh, or New Orleans? Uh, you know, I see Utah. Um, I don't know if I see them winning that series, but definitely I think they're more likely to upset Houston. Um, you know, than the other uh, one that you mentioned. Golden State and the Pelicans. Yeah, Golden State and Pelicans. So, uh Mainly because just, I mean, now that Curry's, you know, fully healthy on that Warriors team, it's just, it's such a deep team. I think, I think the Rockets might depend a little too much on one player with James Harden. So if he could shut down, it's, uh, which, you know, they've been able to do, you know, they've been able to neutralize him a little bit on these first two games, as opposed to in the Warriors, it's like kind of that, you shut down Steph, you got to shut down Durant. Right. Like, Or, like, you shut down one. Like, it's hard to shut down all of them, you know. They just got so many guys, like a four-headed monster. They got these random guys on the bench who just come in, <laughs> can just drain. I mean, so it's mainly just the, the depth thing. Like, I think just in a playoff, Steph is huge. And, you know, don't get me wrong, James Harden, you know, they have other players too, but I just think depending on one player as opposed to having a whole bunch of sharpshooters in your team, it's just – it's more of a recipe uh, for you to get upset. Yeah. yeah, I think this this one was tough because you can make cases for both teams. So for the record, I don't think either team is gonna. I think I don't think either team is gonna win. I think it's gonna be Houston and Golden State. Yeah, yeah. It's um, more like what's more likely. Yeah. But you can make an argument for New Orleans because they have absolutely no answer. The Warriors, at least, have absolutely no answer for Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. He's he's a one man wrecking ball. And you can make a case for Utah because Donovan Mitchell is a case in and of itself is because he's so good. And I took Utah to be Houston as the more likely upset. But uh, I know you were making points about James Harden and the Rockets. I don't think it has anything to do with Houston at all. I think it, it it's more about whether or not Utah can play. And if you look at the series, Utah's guy is obviously Donovan Mitchell. He's been doing nothing this series at all. He's been shut down by Houston. And the thing, my, my thing is at least, they've been able, to, they were able to take a game from Houston while Donovan Mitchell shot like, I forget what it was, but it was really bad. He shot six for twenty-one in their in their win. When if and when Donovan Mitchell heats up and becomes just another aspect of that Utah offensive series, because Gobert and Joe Ingles has have been, they've been picking up the slack, and once Donovan Mitchell comes back and adds an extra extra like side to that offense. Then it becomes a series because, yeah, you can beat a Utah team when it's just Joe Ingles and Derek Favors and, and Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. But Donovan Mitchell, you saw what Donovan Mitchell did to Westbrook in Oklahoma City. He picked him apart. I don't see why he can't, if he comes back, take the series to six or seven. I think it'll be Houston, but I think Donovan Mitchell can make it a great series. He, the Pelicans don't have a guy like Donovan Mitchell. Their, their backcourt is, is Rajon Rondo and Drew Holiday. And the only thing Rondo's done this series is piss off Draymond Green. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I think the more likely upset here is, is Utah over Houston. Mm-hmm. All right, now we'll move to what was the main dish, the main course of our podcast last yep. week. It was a great draft. I had a lot of fun. It was the first draft in a while where the first five, six picks were not set in stone. And I had a, gr- I had a great time watching it. A little upset with a Darnold pick. Really? I would have I liked Rosen. Mm. I would have liked Josh Rosen. I wouldn't. But that being said. <laughs> I would not want Josh Rosen. When you have a quarterback history of Mark Sanchez and Geno Smith and Ryan Fitzpatrick and going even before that of, of even more mediocrity, mm-hmm. I will take anybody. 
and I think Sam Darnold will be just fine. Yeah, and this is the first time you guys in New York you've gone that quarterback early, you know? The last time I did it was Mark Sanchez. Yeah. And he took us to back to back AFC championship games and then ran the Sanchez, into Sanchez. The Sanchez, yeah, for about twelve seconds. Yeah, and not, ran not into quite. his offensive lineman and then became a living meme. And he still is. <laughs> so I, I'm excited for Darnold, even if it's not the guy that I wanted. I'm also excited for Rosen in Arizona. I think that's a great system. I wrote an article about it. I think that that's probably the best quarterback scheme fit out of all the five first rounders, just because of the pieces that he has around him. Um, but all in all, I think uh I think this draft was a good one to watch. What do you think? I do. You know, I, I'm happy uh, with how it went. I mean, I'm a little surprised Baker Mayfield, you know, went one. Oh, I think everybody was. Yeah, but, you know, the more and more I've watched his tape, you know, he, he, can, he can spin that thing. You know? Yeah, he can he, swing. He's good. He's got good accuracy. I just think it's kind of like more of an attitude thing as to why I'm, I wasn't super high on him, you know. So, like, we were talking about this earlier. It's either going to be really – Really good or really bad? Right. You know, it's kind of, you know. He's not going to be average. Yeah. He's, he's going to be on one end of the spectrum. Yeah, you know, so it's kind of a hit or miss with him. But, right. You know, other than that. Uh, what do you think of how the Pats did? As, I know yeah. Sonny Michelle has been a polarizing pick. What as, do you think of Sonny Michelle? As a Pats fan, I, I like that because our yeah. run game really wasn't, I didn't think it was that strong last year. And we saw, you know, back in 2017 Super Bowl season, the uh, Garrett Blunt able to just pound that. Pound the rock every every game was uh, huge for us. You know, it takes a little bit of the pressure off Brady in the passing game. And uh, if, if Michelle can – and not just Michelle. I know we got Jeremy Hill now. And, uh, right, White, I forgot about White that. White and Burkhead. So, but we, I think we needed that, like, up-the-middle runner. Oh, yeah. Because we, we didn't really have that last season. And, uh, I saw it I saw it come back to hurt us. But uh, also to go along with that offensive lineman. Yeah, I was going to say, you got something to block for him. Yeah. Too. As I as I win, uh, that's like a, like a nice little combo they right. got there. Trying to definitely trying to improve the run game as well as protect Brady, you know, which is huge for for him getting older. You know? Right, for sure. I think Isaiah Wynn was a great pick. I, I was surprised why they didn't take Will Hernandez that spot. I don't think they're going to be losing sleep over Isaiah Wynn. He's another good prospect. Oh, he's great, great player. So we'll we'll step back and look at the draft as a whole. And a lot of what a lot of analysts do after a draft in the week the week following a draft is Offensive and defensive rookie of the years, and which team is the most improved. So we're going to do both of those. You can pick which one to start with, offensive or defensive, and I'll give mine. Where do, where do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start with defensive. Um, you know, a lot of talk went about a lot of talk was about you know the quarterbacks. It's kind of what the main headline was, just because there was a, it was a deep class of quarterbacks. But uh, you know, a lot of good defensive players who I think can make an impact right away. Uh, I'm going to go for, for defensive rookie of the year. I think Tremaine Edmonds, uh, inside linebacker out of Virginia Tech. He kind of slipped. You know, I have, a lot of people had him going top 10. He went to Buffalo, right? He went to Buffalo at number 16. Already a great defense. Yeah. So he'll, he'll have the pieces around him where he won't be he won't be counted on too heavily. But, you know, well, he will be because it's a first-round pick. But he's going to have uh, guys to compliment him, you know, on that front line. As well he, won't as, be, he won't be a, a primary focus. No, but he'll – what you're saying. He won't, but he'll have, you know, he has the speed and, you know, the big playability to really make an impact on that team, you know, against the run, against the pass. Uh, I, I think I could see him kind of being like a Luke Keekley type of guy. I kind of can do okay. it all. You know, that's kind of my player comparable for him. So, uh, you know, I think it's going to be tough. You know, as a Pats fan, that Bill's D just got a lot better with him. So. Yeah, I went with another linebacker. I took Roquan Smith. Who went to Chicago? Mm-hmm. Dude was an absolute stud at Georgia. I think we we both we both watched Georgia quite a bit. We, we did, can yeah. we can compliment what Roquan Smith did for that defense. He's a sideline to sideline linebacker. He's he's quick. He's athletic. He can make the plays. 137 tackles at Georgia. It, I've led the team. I wouldn't be surprised if we led the conference. I didn't look that up, but absolute stud. Um, 14 tackles for loss. Six and a half sacks. That was a big number to me because he can he can make plays, but he can also rush the passer when he has to. Yeah. Um, and that's what the Bears need. They need that one spark plug on defense because they've got the quarterback and they got McGlinchley, right? They got McGlinchey at, for the offensive line. Now it's time to start building that defense. I think Roquan Smith is going to be a centerpiece for that defense for eight, nine, ten years. Um, as for offense, I'll go first for offense because right. I'm first for defense. Um, I took a running back. Spoiler alert. It's not Saquon Barkley. Yeah. That would have been too easy. Um I went further down in the first round, and I looked at Rashad Penny 
the running back who went to Seattle. A lot of people said that they reached Horn at, uh, I think, 26. Yeah. I think 26 overall. A lot of people said he reached. I said, I, I don't care. If he can make plays, then a reach doesn't matter. Because he's – I know last week I described my my draft sleeper, Akram Wadley, as a poor man's Saquon. This guy is a rich man's poor man's Saquon because he can do everything that Saquon can do, just not necessarily as well. But I think he's got better pieces around him in Seattle to build those stats and to garner that attention and, and become an offensive leader finalist. He'll probably be the feature back in Seattle. They don't have a guy. I think they're the second string as of right now would have been would be Chris Carson. He's going to start over him for, according to roster resource, which is what I use for all my depth chart stuff. He's going to be the feature back. He's got a passing game around him, which the Giants passing game is questionable if you're going to argue Penny versus Saquon Barkley. Because I don't think there's a quarterback in this draft that really is an offensive rookie of the year contender, um, at least in the first round. He's got the offensive line, and he can make catches out of the backfield, which I thought was huge. Saquon can do that too. Rashad Penny can also do that. He he picked up a few receiving touchdowns at San Diego State. Um, so I think if you're looking for a guy against the grain, I think Rashad Penny from the Seahawks is definitely going to at least be a finalist. I think he's going to go on and win it. Okay, well, I, uh, I'm kind of with the, with the predictable answer. <laughs> Saquon, um, I think I'm just a little too – Infatuated with him to not pick him. Uh, one of the best running back prospects I've ever seen. Right. Just looking at his tape, I mean, the guy he can just. There's nothing he can't do. It's just it's a matter of you know how well that offense clicks. You know the passing game is huge because you know if they can get a, establish a good passing game, which they were unable to last year. Um, it's going to open up the run, and you know Saquon's also going to be like like Penny. Your guy, you know your guy Penny is going to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield. Which is huge in today's NFL. You know, it's such a passing league, but uh, the more you can do, the better. You right. know, and I mean, I, I, I pondered like with some of these quarterbacks. I, I think Josh Allen was kind of like not many people talking about him going to Buffalo. It's he's going to be the starter there, right? And that team, you know, the weapons around him aren't great, but he's got a great defense to kind of ease a little bit of the pressure off of that offense. So I was I was thinking about him, but I just think. Saquon's the he's the real deal. I really you know, and if he can continue what he did at Penn State, you know, he'll he'll run away with this thing. So, so you like Saquon for the Giants. Now we're gonna get into the team that improved the most. Is that your team that improved the most, the New York Giants? That is my team. I think the Giants besides Saquon, they did a phenomenal job drafting this year, you know. I mean when you get that number two pick you know, you're gonna. You hope it's a home run at, at number two, and I think, as I've stated multiple times in this podcast, I think Saquon will be that guy that Zeke Elliott, Le'Veon Bell in that class of running backs, um, which is huge. And you know, UTEP, you know, the offensive guard Will Hernandez, he he kind of slipped. You know, I thought. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that's a steal at number 34 overall. I mean, especially the compliment that run game. I mean, you know, you open up bigger holes with with better blocking, obviously, and. This kid is great lineman. Got a good attitude. I think he's got a winning, a winning attitude that they really need in uh, New York right now. After, you know, it's dumpster fire of a season last year. Yeah. And this kid, you know, a lot of people, you know, talk about Roquan Smith and for good reason. You know, he kind of stole the show at Georgia last year. But outside linebacker Alonzo Carter, he was right there. I mean, just along with, um, along with Smith, just anchoring that, that Georgia D. So I think he, you know, he's a third-round pick. Uh, you know, not a huge, not a huge sack guy. You know, only 14.5 sacks in his whole career, but he's not really, you know, a pass rush kind of guy. He's more of a guy who's gonna, you know, like coverage linebacker. Cover, coverage, yeah. coverage linebacker. So I think that's something that they're gonna really value in uh, in New York, especially getting him at third round. I think, I think they drafted, they got guys who really could have gone earlier. And this this whole draft, and they definitely went with the the for the most part the best player available mindset. Yeah, that's how they got Will Hernandez. That's how they got Lorenzo Carter. Um, I think the Giants did a good job. I also think, and I know Doug's gonna love hearing this. Um, I think that the most improved team after the draft is the Denver Broncos. A lot of people were confused as to why they took Bradley Chubb at number five when they were a bunch of quarterbacks available. I thought it was perfectly fine. I didn't have a problem with it. He's gonna be a great. Defensive end, great pass rusher on the opposite side of Von Miller. Um, but their first five picks 
entirely, I thought, were great. They got um, Bradley Chubb. They went and got Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver from SMU, who mm-hmm. was largely regarded to be a first-round pick. They sniped him in the second. Third round, they did great. They got Royce Freeman and Isaiah Yadam. And I know um, I, I had Akram Wadley as my sleeper for the draft. Yeah. Isaac Yadam was my second, the cornerback out of Boston College. The mm-hmm. dude is a playmaker. Royce Freeman was a great running back at, at Oregon. Even in the fourth and the fifth rounds, he did great. Josie Jewell, linebacker from Iowa. He was a captain of the Iowa defense last year. And he he led the team in tackles. He did really well. And then they got um, – who played along with Saquon last year. They got Deshaun Hamilton, the yeah. wide receiver from yeah. Penn State. He had a great season. And I, I from one to six, their, their first six picks all have potential to be above-average starters in the NFL, I think, personally. I think mm-hmm. they did a great job. I don't think they're getting as much recognition as they deserve because their first-round pick was a little bit questionable. But – I, their first five rounds were some of the first best first five rounds I've seen in a few years. Probably a more deep. They had more deep draft than than uh, the Giants, but you know I'm more looking at like these like Bar- Barkley number two is gonna you know just he's gonna have immediate success. Immediate success. This you know, a little more questionable with some of these guys, but uh you know if, if they didn't take Barkley at number two, I, I don't know how impressive their draft would have right. been. You know he's kind of the Design factor for me, but I like these pieces that they're getting in the second, third round. Right. And even, you know, fourth round, they got, you know, Eli, you don't know how long he's going to be around. They took quarterback uh, Kyle Laletta out of Richmond. Really don't know much about him, but. I don't think anybody did, but they're saying. Taking a the quarterback next, was, the next was important, you know, right. for them. You know, right. just to have, similar to the Patriots, just as your guy gets older, you want to have a little bit of stability, you know, getting, right. getting the young guy in there, you know. I know, um, I think. What made the Broncos draft for me was those late middle round picks. And I know it's, it's, it's hard because it's so much more difficult to project guys like that. Like Josie Jewell, I think he's going to be great. He could end up playing a year in the league and then uh, retiring. Um, but I, I just think it's so hard to project those fourth, fifth, sixth round guys. But as far as I'm concerned, Josie Jewell and Deshaun Hamilton are going to be playmakers for, for this Broncos team in the future. I mean, that, that, that top six is just – Really good. I think it's probably the best top six, as good a top six as anybody else in the draft. And I also, you know, I don't think the Broncos are too. I mean, I don't think either of these teams are. You know, they had a tough season last year, but they're not too far away from success. I mean, they have the pieces in both those teams to make the playoffs as soon as next year. The only thing so, is, they both play in really tough conference. Their divisions. They do. They do. But you know, I'm looking at, and especially that AFC West. You know, I think. Oakland really reloaded. Right. I think they're going to be real good this year. But the NFC East, I think it's anyone's division every year. I think you know, they, yeah. they kind of exchange uh, who, who wins it each season. The thing is, even with their draft picks this year, I think the Giants are still probably the third best team in the division. I think it's. I, it, think, I think number one's got to be the Eagles. Yeah, right? it's got to be the Eagles. Like, yeah. you got to give some respect to the Super Bowl champions. I think second's the Cowboys. They had a down year. I think they're still better than the Giants. Mm-hmm. And I think then it's the Giants and then the Redskins. Well, think, it'll think, be tough. It's always a toss-up, that division. Yeah, I mean, I think the Eagles are, you know, they're definitely number one. But I think two through three, uh, two through four, I think they're going to kind of battle it out. Like, going to be in that nine, seven, ten, six, eight and eight range. You know, anyone, you know, those divisional matchups will be huge. So, uh, I, think, I, don't, I mean, I think I would be surprised if, you know, if the Giants come in second there, they can snag that wild card. And similar to the Broncos, you know, I mean – the Chiefs now with during Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you don't know how he's gonna do. You know, I think Raiders, Broncos. I mean, Raiders gotta be the favorite in my opinion. Right. Just the pieces they've added, you know, in the off season. So. So we're gonna switch to baseball now. We're gonna we're gonna do that fictional character game. But before we do that fictional character game, we're gonna talk about some real baseball for a second. We're gonna talk about the MLB, mm-hmm. and we're gonna talk about which. Teams, what's what's your biggest surprise team as of right now, and what's your biggest disappointment team as of right now? Uh, so I got two LA teams for both surprise and disappointment. Um, looking at the Angels as my surprise team, they're right now in first place in the uh, AL West, and you know a, ga- a game above above the Astros. I think that team, you know, they've had potential for a while with those those young guys. Just you know, Trout has really emerged as a top three-player in the MLB. Uh, Tani coming in, he's, he's lived up to the hype so far, you know. Even his hitting, he's batting 339 right now. And uh, Albert Pujols has been able to 
you know, come up with some some home runs here and there. He's, you know, in the back back nine of his career, but you know, he's he's contributing. You know, they have a, a pretty deep lineup right now, and you can see it uh, with all. You know, they're all hitting pretty well and uh, across the bay. And the Dodgers, you know, they're really they're struggling, especially last year making the World Series. I mean, they're a game away from winning that that World Series, and you know, 15 and 17 right now. I was between picking them and the Nats, both playoff teams last year, struggling this year. But the reason I, I look at the Dodgers is because that division is going to be hard to, to be more hard to climb, oh, climb back sure. in. You know, the Diamondbacks, Rockies, uh, both playing really good baseball right now. And, uh, you know, they're 15, 17, it's early, you know, but I think you got to look at long term. It's going to be dogfight in that NLS, so. Yeah, I know those definitely Angels have got to be one of the most surprising teams this season. I, I know people were expecting Otani to be good. I don't know if they were expecting him to be this good. I don't think they were expecting the team as a whole to be this good. As for me, my surprise team is the Atlanta Braves. They could be just because they're 19-12, and 12, they're winning the National League East, and they weren't expected to contend for at least two years. Um, Ronald Acuna and Ozzy Albies were their two top prospects, and Albies is – is up there competing for the league lead in home runs. He's got 10 already. Acuna's hitting really well. Nick Markakis and Brandon McCarthy, the starting pitcher, they're having complete revitalizations of their career. Markakis is hitting close to 350. I know Brandon McCarthy's leading the league in wins. They're not the league, rather. They're leading the team. He's leading the team in wins in the ERA. Um, you can argue what wins means to a pitcher anymore, but um, Julio Tehran's doing really well, too. And as my disappointment, is it possible to have a team in first place be a disappointment? Because who's, who's disappointment? the Cleveland Indians, really, they're winning the American League Central, but I think if they were in any other division, they would probably be third or fourth place. They're seventeen and sixteen. Oh they're yeah, a, a game above, that's a disappointment for them. A game above five hundred. The fact that they're winning the division is irrelevant to me personally because they're a game over five hundred. And it, when you have a team who was a hundred win team last year. And they come into the 2018 season, the first month, month and a half. They're they're riding the 500 train. I think regardless of where you are in the standings, you're not you're you're sinking below expectations. And I think they'll be fine. I know Andrew Miller in the DL, um, and he was one of their big pieces in the bullpen. And once he comes back, I think they'll get hot again. Um, but as of as of right now, this team is doing so much less than what everybody else expected them to do. And yeah, they're my disappointment. I know you can make cases for the Nats, you can make cases for the Dodgers, which you, I think the Dodgers have just as good a case as the Cleveland Indians, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think when you look at what they were supposed, what they did last year, and what they're doing now, I think they were a team that was on the rise. They had a bunch of young pieces, and they're they've gotten worse, seemingly as far as record goes. Yeah. But that, those are my two. Um, so now we'll segue into our, our fictional character game, and I'll let you do the introduction for this one because this was completely your idea, so I'll give you the mm-hmm. credit. Yeah, you know, as we've done some of the past episodes, we have a little little fun game here to kind of lighten you know, the mood a little bit. You know, this one especially uh, isn't even about an you know, actual sport. It's <laughs> sports movies, you know, a lot of good baseball movies out there, uh, especially now it's baseball season, kind of getting in that, in that mood. So what we did, as I explained earlier, just – we each made. We didn't do a draft or anything. We just we picked our lineup, picked our lineups of movie characters. Um, you know, our, our favorites, I guess, for each position. So, uh, will you want to start with your? I'll get it going. I'll get, get it, it going. Off. Kick it off with your team. All right, on the bump, on the mound for Will starting nine. Uh, nobody better than Henry Rowan Gardner. Oh yeah, the oh, pitcher oh, yeah. from Rookie of the Year. And, and what, I, what I did for each player was I picked him and I had a reason for it. And this kid, Rowan Gardner, other than the fact that he throws like a role this Chapman, he can deal with adversity because in that game seven of the World Series, he completely lost his velocity after getting hit in the arm. Still managed to get that out. But with that genius play to pick the guy off first, who does that? You know, there's not a pitcher in the league who can deal with that, who can go deal with going throwing 105 to throwing 50 and still get three outs when you have to. So that's my pitcher. Also, you know, locker room presence. You know, he's, exactly. Locker he's room guy, presence. You know, the guys love him. You know, guys love him. Love he's around. a young guy, young, energetic, young prospect. He's great for a locker room. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Behind the dish, you always need a guy with a veteran experience, veteran presence to maybe calm those young guys down. So I went with Crash Davis from Bull Durham. I know you've never seen Bull Durham. Never seen the movie. It's a great movie. I went with Crash Davis because he takes absolutely no bullshit. Basically, what the movie's about is he went sent down to single A. 
um, to kind of groom and progress uh, Nuke Lelouch, who was a single-A pitcher. Mm -hmm. And he was this guy, like, full of himself, thought he could pump gas, thought he had a crazy deuce. And he, what, what he did is, is Crash Davis went down to single-A to play for Durham Bulls. That's why it's called Bull Durham. And, and basically taught him how to, like, humble himself and how to pitch in the big leagues. Yeah. And there were so many times he would, like, like, like the uh, Nuke would, like, shake him off. And then Crash Davis would be like, why is he shaking me off? And then he would tell the hitter the pitch. And pitcher would hit it for, or the hitter would hit it 400 feet, and he'd go out and be like, "Don't ever shake me off again." Like he's he's a oh, veteran yeah. presence, yeah, yeah. you know. Like one of those guys doesn't take anything. You know? Doesn't take no bullshit. I like that. Crash Davis is my catcher at first base. I went with Lou Collins from Little Big League. Good guy. Because Good guy. when the guy is motivated, he can play as well as anybody else. I don't know if you remember the last scene when he went up against the Mariners that game 163. Mm -hmm. um, little Big League, little 12 year old manager goes, yeah. "Lou, if you hit a home run, you can marry my mom." Because at the time they had a little relationship yeah, going yeah. on. And so what does Lou do? He's, he's a little average hitter. Didn't have a great season. Goes at the plate. Hits an absolute bomb. Because he's got that in the back of his mind. The only reason it wasn't out is because movie Ken Griffey Jr. went up and robbed him of a home run. But Oh, yeah, yeah. I when, this kid, when this kid is motivated, he's as good as anybody else in the league. At second base, got to sprinkle in a little diversity in there. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen a league of their own. It's great movie. movie. Uh, the, the Professional Female Baseball League. Oh, with Marlo Hooch. That right-handed bat, absolute hits, bombs. And then uh, matching on the other side of that middle infield, Benny the Jet. You got to go with Benny the Jet. Now, here's the thing. In the sandlot, wasn't much of a shortstop. Really played behind the dish, a little bit of an outfield. But the way I see Benny the Jet is this is a kid who can go out there and be like a Brock Holt utility player. Mm -hmm. He's got the build, and he's a proven leader because he was the guy who took over that entire sandlot crew. He can play wherever he's asked. I think he's got the athleticism. He's got the build to play shortstop. So that's where I put him. At third base, from Angels in the outfield, and with Ray Mitchell. This was a team that was so bad. This Angels team was awful. And the one shining spot in this team was Ray Mitchell. Because before the Angels came, he was still raking. He was still doing his thing. He's got a great bat, and he's motivated. There was one scene, I don't know if you remember, when um, the manager was pinch hitting for him. He's standing in the on-deck circle, gets taken out. Comes into the dugout, throws his bat and helmet, snaps his bat over his leg, gets angry. He's yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Little, he likes. He's got some fire. He he's got, got fire, fire in his you eyes. Want that. That's you don't I want like. too much of that, but you want you, know, you want one or two guys who can really. He's got energy. He's got motivate. He's passionate. Exactly. Mm -hmm. In the outfield, left field, I went with Rex Pennebaker from Mister Three Thousand. A little bit of an asshole, but yeah. the guy can hit. And if he can hit, he can play. And if he can play, I want him on my team. In center field, maybe the fastest fictional baseball player in any movie. I know you picked him too from Major League. It's really amazing. You got to go with him. One of the fastest players I've ever seen. Doesn't matter that he's not real. He's still one of the fastest players I've ever seen. For sure. Steals second, steals third, steals home, scores that run. That's huge. He's going to be a perfect leadoff hitter and a great like a Billy Hamilton type guy in center field. He's got absolute wheels. In right field, Kelly Leak from Bad News Bears. Um, this is the person, the player who hit that uh, in the in the final game of their season. Hey, wait, is this Bad News Bears? The 2005 version? No. 76 version. 76 version. Gotcha, gotcha. This is the player who, uh, down four, bases loaded, sends a ball to the wall, drives in all three, uh, gets thrown out of home. But that's not the point. Because absolute raker. Because that ball was hit a mile. That thing was a shot. Mm -hmm. Um, that's my, that's my starting nine. I know we, we aren't doing DHs, but I know you brought up DHs. If we're doing DHs, I think we both agree that it would be Gus Bus from the Benchwarmers. 100%. He, he brought that three-man baseball team and turned them into a championship contender. Now, granted, they were playing 11-year-olds and they were grown men, but he hit a home run almost every single at-bat. He was a great pitcher, had a sick curveball, and Clark and, and – uh, Richie, was yeah, the other one? Clark Richie. and Richie, they had absolutely no baseball experience. Yeah. Richie was picking his nose out in center field. Clark, picking, Clark was, yeah. Clark was, right. Yeah, yeah. Clark was picking his nose, digging up sunflowers, fucking give, uh, handing out beef stew. <laughs> and he brought he brought him he brought him to to a championship game. And the only reason I didn't win is because he wanted those yeah. those, those kids to play, which I respect. He's a team player, team guy, team guy. And so he would be my DH, and. Um, that's my starting nine. I think that's a legitimate World Series contender. What do you think? It's a solid squad, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna counter that. You know, we have we have some of the same some of the same pieces, but I started off pitcher. I actually went with a completely different approach than you. You went with the young the young up and coming ace in right. Henry Rowan I went with the the old guy, you know, Jimmy Morris, the old <laughs> chemistry teacher from uh, Texas, and the, the rookie. You know, good movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a uh, 
I think it was early 2000s it was made. So Jimmy Moore is this kid, you know, he's this guy, you know, he's he's old, old man. He's like 30, old man, He's right. like 38. On the back end of his career. And he's pumping 90. Seasoned. He's pumping like 95. <laughs> and he just gets a shot at the big leagues and, you know, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. He, he makes it and uh, he makes the MLB. Uh, we're looking, who's he pitching to? This guy might not be the most talented catcher. You know, I was, I was just gonna go with Hamilton Porter, thinking about Ooh. that. But I was big, little, big bat. Yeah. I was a little too Sandlot heavy, so I had to, you know, mix it up a little bit. I went with Richie Goodman, <laughs> the bench warmers catcher. Um, you know, he can't really catch. He catches it with his face. Tell you what, not, though, not not really a good mitt. Not know? the most talented, but his trash talk game. Oh yeah. That's, oh my god. That's why I picked it, but. Hamilton also has some good trash talk, but I just think Richie really can get under your skin more. Right. Oh, yeah. like you're a good catcher of donuts in your mouth. Yeah, like top that, three trash talk I've ever heard. He just, yeah, you, you, love, you love this kid. And, just uh, the clapbacks are ten out of ten. The wit. He's got some quick. He's wit. got some quick wit. And, like when he fouled the ball into the catcher's glove, goes, "You're still out." Richie turns around and goes, "You're still fat." I think that's absolutely that's, genius. That's what you get in the mind of a ten-year-old. For he, sure, he knows what he's doing. Immature, but that's what you want when you're playing against ten-year-olds. Right. <laughs> and uh, at the play, nothing to really ride home about, but you know, the kid fights. You know, he he, he foul takes it. Right. He, right. He does his thing. He you know he fouls it off and he keeps fighting. And uh, if Sally, if Sally girls in the in the stands, <laughs> he's gonna put that thing you know four hundred oh, feet for sure. over the fence. But uh. Yeah, so that, that was more of a team morale pick, you know. Funny guy. You, you need that team funny guy. Uh, first base, not sure if he actually played first base, but rookie of the year, potato. Okay. This guy, just steroid head, but, <laughs> you know, absolutely rakes. You know, I just put him at first base. You know, you get that big power hitter. Typically, I play first base. Just put him there. Uh, he's kind of like my middle of the lineup kind of. Okay. Clean up hitter, maybe. I think I think that counts. I think he could be. He could. He definitely sounds like he fits the bill at first base. For sure, for sure. Uh, second base, one of my favorite Sandlot characters, Bertram. Okay. This kid is a clown. He, <laughs> you know, he plays a, a solid game at second base. Good contact hitter. Uh, maybe like maybe he'll hit second for me. I don't know. I haven't really put my lineup together yet, but Bertram, this kid, just he's a, he's another fun. I like to have the baseball is a fun sport. I like to have guys who really enjoy the game. You know, Bertram. Right. Bertram is that kind of a questionable decision with the uh, tobacco. You know, he's the guy who gave everyone tobacco, <laughs> and they all that scene when they all throw up on at the amusement park. But uh, just a good good team morale, another team morale guy. Shortstop, I went somewhere same same guy as you. Benny the Jet. Benny the Jet. Versatile. Uh, one of the reasons I had him at short and not at third was because my third baseman Doris Murphy from League of Their Own. Mm-hmm. Kind of a chunky girl. Uh, couldn't, couldn't really see her making the move from third to short. Definitely, the, definitely fits the bill of handling that hot corner. Yeah, just the athleticism issue. You know, she right. she's not as versatile as Benny. Benny's she's the jet. You know, he's a fast. She can still hit though. That's why she can rake. Yeah, kind of like a, a a Pablo Sandoval-esque third baseman. Yes, that's a great that's a great comparison actually. But uh, she's also she's, yeah, she's a solid fielder. You know. Probably much better than Pablo, but uh, <laughs> anyways, my outfield. I went with the guy, Scotty Smalls. Scotty Smalls. Just a classic pick, you know, kind of a nerd, but <laughs> once he once Benny takes him under his wing, I think he really develops into a good player. And, a, and, a and good, you got Benny on your team too. And so a good he's, got that, he's got that leadership. Exactly, there. exactly. So he's a guy you know, I like to have on my team. Willie Mays Hayes. Got it. Gotta go, Willie Mays. Speed, Hayes. speed. Oh yeah. You know, speed's huge on this team, and uh. He can do it all. He can, he can steal his bases. And one thing he's kind of struggling with in Major League Part Two, I don't know if you saw, he, he was trying to hit the deep ball a little right. too much, kind of, you know, uh, popping up, popping up a little bit. Pulling out that front shoulder, so turning his head. Yeah. We'll work on that, you know, with, with our hitting coaches. We'll, we'll try <laughs> to get him to keep the ball down, keep it on the ground. And then uh, my right fielder, Squints. Gotta go, Squints. I'm a big Sandlot guy. I want a lot of Sandlot guys on my team. He's just a classic guy. I mean, that scene with him, I mean, the ball's on this kid. You know, pretending he's drowning. Oh, my gosh. So he can kiss one of these peppercorn. <laughs> Ends up marrying her, and they have nine kids. You know, that's just like. Shoot or shoot. Yeah, sure, he shoots a shot. He's got the confidence I want on my team. 
and uh, that's my that's my starting so line. Good. I, he could definitely be like a team captain, role. just just with that tenacity and that that ballsiness he, that you, you really yeah, need. You on want the team. that. He sets the example. He sets the bar high. Right. Especially for a guy like Smalls, you know, kind of like a like shy, and a shy kid. Yeah. He wants to learn from someone with the confidence of Swints, and I think of course. I think my team is really well rounded. We got that that veteran presence with Jimmy Morris. We also got some young, you know, we got funny guys. It's just, it, I'd want to play on this team. I, I, mean, I, I, me too. I mean, I'd play on your team too. I, you know, <laughs> we got we got good squads here. I, I think it'd be fun to watch these two teams play against each other. Oh yeah. Oh, it'd be oh, tough with Benny the Jet and William H. H. Oh, D H. Who's your D H? Of course, it's you going with Gus? Got to be Gus. Can we go uh, our bench boss manager? Uh, do you know any managers? I, I know I know faces and I know characters. I don't know names, but sure, if you'd like to. I'm going Tom Hanks. I don't know his name. Tom Hanks. From Leave Their Own? Own. Okay. No crying in baseball, man. No crying in baseball. He drives that point home, and he's, he's a tough guy. He's, he's not really a player's coach. You know, he gets, he gets on his players, but I think they'll bring the best out of him, especially when I have a couple immature people on my team. He's going to really – Whip him into shape. Whip him into shape, yeah. Um, if we're taking managers, I'm going to take the manager from Little Big League. I feel bad because oh, yeah, it's, it's like one of my favorite movies and I forget his name, but I'm not going to take the time to look at him. Billy. 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 Yes, Billy from Little Big League. He I think awesome. uh, he he's 12, but he doesn't let that get in the way. He has no problem with standing up to big-time baseball players and front office executives and telling them, listen, I'm the guy in charge. This is my team. He he fired the manager who was in standing yeah. two weeks after he took over the team as a 12-year-old and then takes over his manager too and – Handles all these big time player egos and takes him a game away from the playoffs. That's what I like in a manager. He has no problem with his age is is a little bit of a, a negative, a weakness, but he doesn't look at it as a weakness. He he looks at it as kind of a benefit almost, and and he he uses that to to elevate his position. And he is he has no problem with whipping somebody into shape despite being thirty years younger mm-hmm. than virtually everybody else. It's also that, that love of the game, like that young the game. that young innocence. You know, right. he's. He loves it for the right reasons. You know, he doesn't get that ego, and uh, that's a great pick as, as your manager. You know, for sure. I think uh, def- definitely a fun game. I like this one. I like it. You know, it's fun to kind of like analyze like fictional, uh, <laughs> fictional stuff. It's fun. Big sports movie guys. Yeah, that was good. Um, so I think we did a lot today. We 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 sprinkled in a little bit of every single sport. We did. We haven't been doing that lately. You know, last week was. Pretty much just NFL draft. A lot of draft and a lot of playoff talk. Playoffs, yeah. I like to, uh, you know, diversify what we talk about and right. kind of get, kind of get everything involved. You right. know? And this, unfortunately, depending on what we decide to do next week, oh yeah, may be our last podcast for this this semester. We might not be working a podcast together until September. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that works out. We'll see. We're gonna see what the deal is in the summer. Maybe do like a phone call type phone thing. Phone call or. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I mean, we live five hours away from each other, so. We'll figure something out. It's, uh, Definitely figure something out. It's not out. easy. But uh, until that podcast rolls around, I know we both got finals to study for. This is a nice little break to take. Mm-hmm. A nice nice length, too. A nice podcast length. We're, uh, we're unedited. We're sitting in 55 minutes right now, which is good. Kind of gives us time to, to unwind and talk about something we both love. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, I mean, I know I got I have four finals. I have two, one on Tuesday, two on Wednesday, one on Thursday, so. I think until our next podcast, Joe, unless something you'd like to add, I think it's time for us to sign off. Yeah, not, nothing really else to say. Uh, it's been – if this is our last podcast, it's been a great, great time. It's been Just an unreal ride. Talking sports, you know, what, what's better than that? Especially, you know, when you get the stress of school, uh, it's a nice little distraction we got going. So peace out, guys.